This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox of Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For other sermons from Antioch, you can visit the church website at antiochchurchnc.org. Now, let's turn our hearts to the Word of God. Our passage this morning is Genesis chapter 35, so I'm going to read that in a moment. If you want to go ahead and begin turning to that. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him, And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under the oak below Bethel, so he called its name Alon Bacchus. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. And so Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. While Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve, the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan, and Naphtali. 
the sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, Gad, and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Paddan Aram. And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years, and Isaac breathed his last, and he died and was gathered to his people, old and full of years, full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Amen. Good morning, saints, and welcome to Antioch, all those who are watching and listening online, and welcome back to some who haven't been able to come for a while. We're glad you're here this morning. Well, now, it almost seems like this chapter and the chapter after this one are Moses kind of filling in some blanks, right? Filling in the gaps for us before we move to the story of Joseph, and the narrative will slow down again. But we see uh, Jacob taking another step in this journey of living with God and walking with God and God walking with him. And we, we know he's got a new name. He's, he's Israel now, but he, he's not quite there yet, right? We've seen him live like Jacob even after he was renamed uh, earlier during the wrestling match. I remember it well, not long, uh, not long after I'd been baptized as a child, I was eight years old, and my mom said to me one day after one of my many outbursts, you know, for somebody who's supposed to be a Christian, you sure do act like the devil. And uh, I think I think she had a point, you know, and I, I honestly don't think I was saved yet because baptism does not make salvation. Baptism does not a believer make. Well, Jacob is is a, is a new believer. He's a, he's a new creation, right? He's he's been humbled with a limp. He's been changed by God. He's been called to a different way of life. He's been given a new name after the wrestling match. But we see him again today tested in, in many ways as we uh, watch him move forward as we move forward as well. And I think we can understand a lot of that goes on today in this section. Four points today, brief points, two burials, second commission, death and birth, and father and sons. So God calls Abram or Jacob to go to Bethel where he should have gone in the first place. As soon as he left Esau's side, he should have made a beeline to Bethel. We talked about that last week. And maybe some tragedy would have been spared his family, especially Dinah. But this time he does obey. And it's important for us to see here the actions he takes for himself and his whole household when God says, you're going to Bethel. Right? What does he do? He essentially says to the household of Jacob, all of the people who are following along with him, hey, we're going to Bethel. We're leaving Shechem. And in fact, we're leaving Paran Aram here as well. We're going to bury it in this place. So he tells the whole tribe to put away their foreign gods, to, to purify themselves. And he says, even, even change your clothes. In other words, we're going to Bethel, the place where God met with me before. He's going to meet with us again there. And we're going to bury Paran Aram and everything associated with it before we leave this place, right down to what we're wearing. So the whole tribe responds. They bring their foreign gods to him. They bring their earrings. I'm not sure what the earrings signify, except maybe they were pagan uh, earrings. But they bring them to him. And what does he do? He buries them under a terebinth tree outside of Shechem. Was Joshua thinking about this scene many years later when he stands before all of Israel? He gathers them in Shechem and he says to them, Put away your foreign gods 
that are among you, incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. Remember, that's the wonderful passage where he says, as for, as for me and my household, what? We will serve the Lord. And so he's challenging them again. Hey, listen, put away that stuff. Bury it. Move on from it. Will you do it? And they say, yes, we will. And so then he says to them, it says in, in uh, verse 26, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. So God called Jacob to move forward with his people. God called Joshua to move forward or his people, the people of God to move forward. And he calls us to do the same. We're continually being called by God. All right, take another step. Move forward. I've got you, but take another step. And look, we, we, we need to put away everything that keeps us from fully obeying him and his word. That's what's important here. Jacob knew they should have put those foreign gods away when they left Paran Aram, but they didn't. He let it slide. And now he says, listen, we're not going to meet with God unless we do what we need to do. Put that stuff away. Put those attitudes, those mind places that we go with our, in our minds, those strongholds we built up in our thinking, that unforgiveness, that bitterness, that pride. Put it away. And I will, I will show you how to live without it. You know, it's interesting, too, here that, that Jacob calls the community to do this, right? This is not a, all right, now, 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 Simeon, I want you to go and deal with this sin in your life. He calls all of his family and says, this is what we're doing as a collective. And isn't that the way it is, right? We referenced that prayer this morning, uh, Vic did. How does Jesus teach us to pray? My Father who is in heaven? Our Father who is in heaven. Right, And I love that passage in Hebrews. I've had some emphasis here. But let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us together run the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So as a community of Antioch Community Church, we are called to walk together to put away the foreign gods, to put away the things that cling so closely and keep us from running the race continually encouraging one another to help each other do that. And none of us does it perfectly. Jacob is a great example of that. We've seen his flaws and his foibles. We have them too. But we're continually going before the Lord and saying, Lord, here, take this. Would you take this from me? It's keeping me from you. And he says, of course I will, son, daughter. So the tribe moves on. I love the next section. It says, God puts holy terror in the hearts of the people living in the cities that they're walking near. Isn't that great? I love that. We have it backwards a lot of times. We're terrified of the world instead of the world being terrified of us. We're the ones who know God, the only God who can raise us from the dead and will one day. We have nothing to fear except God and we fear Him because we love Him and the truth of that emboldens us. So they arrive at, at Bethel, and Jacob builds an altar there in the same place where God had revealed himself to him. Remember the dream he had and the ladder uh, going to heaven and angels ascending and descending upon it. And then there's a second burial that happens, this time for Deborah, Rebecca's nurse. Now, we're not given much information here, but we know that this woman must be the same one who left Padan Aram with Eliezer, Abraham's servant. Remember, Eliezer had gone to find a wife for Isaac. 
And, and Rebecca comes back with Eliezer. And who comes with her? Rebecca's nurse. And so if this is the same woman, and, and, and most people believe it is, then she served Rebecca's family, Isaac's family, until Rebecca died. And then she served Jacob's family until she died. Wow, what a faithful family friend. And I love here that she's buried under an oak tree just outside of Bethel. Oak in Hebrew is what? Elon. You know, oak trees in the Old Testament were considered, even in ancient times, were considered sacred places. (laughs) Sacred? Elon? Oh, Lord, let it be so. So some believe this is also a burial that represents a movement away from Padan Aram, which is where Deborah was from. But another way of looking at it, saints, is that, that we learn from this, simply this, people, the people of God must endure the death of loved ones. It's part of this side of the veil. But, hallelujah, not the other side. So that leads us to second commission. God appeared to Jacob again, verse 9, in very much the same way that God had appeared to Abram a second time. Remember, he, he, he gave him his covenant in Genesis 12, Abram, and then he repeats it and expands on it in Genesis 17, and now he says, and your name will no longer be Abram. I'm going to call you Abraham, father of a multitude. How many kids did Abraham have then? Right, zero. But he said, your name is changed. Don't, don't, don't be bothered by the fact that you don't have any kids yet. I know who you are, and I know we'll, we'll come from you. So, so Abraham, and, and here's Jacob, the wayward patriarch. He's, he's just like you and me and all who know God through faith in his son. We need to be reminded of who we are and who God is. That's what God is doing here when Jacob stands before him at Bethel a second time. God reminds him who he is, and he speaks to him. Praise God, we don't need God to appear to us to remind us of who we are and who He is. We have the Word of God complete, and we have the Spirit of God who lives within us. In fact, Paul says in Romans 8, 16, it's the Spirit of God Himself who bears witness with our spirit that what we are what? Children of God. And not just children, but heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. But Jacob needed a reminder didn't he? What did God remind Jacob about? What can we learn from that? First, he reminded Jacob he had a new name. Hey, God, hey, son, remember when we wrestled at Peniel? Remember that? You lost, but you really won. I had to crush you to crown you. I had to break you to bless you. And now I've given you a new name, a new identity, a new purpose, and a new calling. And God says to you and me, do you remember when I saved you, when you died to your sins and were raised to live in Christ? I gave you a new name then, child of God. And not only that, I gave you a new identity, no longer a slave, but adopted as a son or a daughter in Christ and Christ in you. I gave you a new purpose and a new calling because the life you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God. That's what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have a new life, a new calling, a new purpose, a new name. And you say, well, how can we do that? How how can I live Galatians 2.20? How can I be the man or woman of God that He's called me to be? 
And Jacob may have been thinking that, and that's why God says, here's how, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. I am the one who provides for you. Not just sunshine and rain and flowers and good food. Son, I provide all you need to live your new life as a son or daughter. In fact, I am so you can be. So you can live the life I've called you. You're, Jacob, you're, you've been a liar, but now you're a prince. Not without sin, not without suffering. But you're a prince of God who walks with me. And nations will come from you and kings will come from you. And the land I gave to your father and your grandfather will be yours and your offsprings. What a moment. What a promise. And God went up from him there. And so Jacob got on his face and worshipped because he'd been in the presence of God again and he'd been reminded of who he is. And we can have that experience every single time we spend time with the Lord. And you don't have to be on your face. You don't have to be on your knees. You can be driving in your car. But when you're spending time in His presence and listening to Him and, and hearing His reminder of who you are and who He is, then He speaks to us. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we memorize the Bible. That's, how we, that's why we come and hear people teach the Bible or preach the Bible because when we are in the Word, He speaks to us there. Well, that leads us to death and birth. The family of Jacob is on the move again, leaving Bethel, and they're headed towards Ephrath. That's not their final stop, but they're going towards Bethlehem. They're going south when Rachel goes into labor. Now, we don't know anything about this. We don't know how far along she was, but the journey was hard, and the hard journey may have led to early labor and it may have led to, of course, it did lead to hard labor because that's what it says here, that she has hard labor. And she has a midwife taking care of her. And the midwife tells her, don't be afraid, for you have another son. Yeah, This is wonderful. God had answered Rachel's prayer after she had Joseph in chapter 30, verse 24. Her prayer was, may the Lord add to me another son. And God does that. He heard that prayer. And he adds to Jacob's family with the birth of a new life. But it comes at the loss of the mother. With her dying breath, Rachel named her second son Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow, or it can mean son of my strength. I think it means both because with her final strength, she gives birth to a final sorrow, her sorrow being I'll never get to see him grow up. You know, names were very important to Hebrew, Hebrew people, and names meant things. And, and so I think the reason that Jacob changed his son's name was because he didn't want his son to walk around being the son of sorrow. No, no, you will be named Benjamin, the son of my right hand. And that's prophetic. I think that's interesting because we will see as we move forward into Joseph's story what an important part Benjamin plays in the reconciliation between Joseph and the ten, who or the uh, uh, yeah the ten, who will betray him and sell him into slavery. So Rachel is buried there along the journey, and Jacob sets up a pillar over her tomb somewhere north of Bethlehem. Caleb, did you guys go to the tomb of Rachel, so-called tomb of Rachel? No. So I, supposedly there is a, a place there where they think Rachel may have been buried. But the, the tribe continues to travel south 
where they set up camp for a while. This is cool. They set up camp near a place called the ta- Tower of Eater, which also means the Tower of the Flock. Now, it was a hill with a tower on it, very much like that, where shepherds could graze their sheep in that valley, but they could climb up into that tower and look to see if there were any predators out there. And also, are there any sheep that are kind of wandering off? And the only other time it's mentioned, the tower of the flock, is Micah 4.8. Let me read that to you. This is really, this is really special. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. The former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. So what does that mean? It was in this pasture, it is believed, where Jacob and his tribe is is resting and watering their flock, where angels would appear to the shepherds and pronounce good news of great joy. We don't know how long the family of Jacob rested there. It says that they had peace there, this peaceful place. But they stayed there long enough for that peace to be broken, didn't they? Because the oldest son, Reuben, breaks the peace, commits an egregious sin against his father and against his whole family. You know, you don't sin in a corner. Your sin has a rippling effect, and it had a rippling effect, of course, on this family. As if Jacob had not suffered enough after losing his favorite wife, his most beloved Rachel, now his oldest son's commit son commits adultery with Bilhah, who was Rachel's servant. And there's some, some, some theory that the idea was when Jacob, would die, when Jacob died, Bilhah, the servant to Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife, would have become Reuben's wife. And therefore, Reuben perhaps is saying, let's go ahead and make this happen, Dad. That's one theory. Now, it could have been just uncontrolled lust that issues out into this horrible uh, activity. But it could have been a power move by Reuben to say, I want to be the patriarch, not you, Dad. Well, if he was trying to get the blessing, it has the opposite effect. Flip, flip over to 49, Genesis 49 for a second. Let's look at, at, we looked at last week at what Jacob says to Simeon and Levi. Look what he says to Reuben. Genesis 49, verse 3 and 4. Reuben You are my firstborn, my might, and the firstfruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. That sounds good. Great, Dad. Unstable as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. You know, it's interesting. Simeon and Levi, we saw last week, they have been removed from the blessing because of their sins against the men of Shechem. And now Reuben has been removed from the blessing because of his sin with Bilhah. So the firstborn and the secondborn and the thirdborn cannot be the heirs, which means who's going to be the heir of Jacob? Who gets the promise? What's the fourthborn's name? Judah. Judah. That leads us to the final point. Fathers and sons... Now, the sons of Jacob were 12, the 12 tribes. The nation of Israel is now complete. And it seems like his job is done. It seems like, okay, let's wrap things up here, Jacob. You're done. You made a lot of mistakes. You've done a lot of great things. And boy, look at these 12 sons. And 
Some of them are questionable, but you got 12 sons, and they're going to be the foundation of God's uh, Israel, the state of Israel, the nation from which we will have the Christ come. But they get to Hebron, and he's got one more job. It's one more funeral, because Jacob reunited with his father, Isaac. Do you remember when we last saw Isaac? Right? What was Isaac doing the last time he was with Jacob? He was blessing him. Why? Why did Isaac decide to bless his sons? Because he thought he was going to die. He's lived at least 20 more years. And so here he is. He's, he's, he's gone now. And Jacob is there in Hebron with his brother uh, Esau. And Isaac breathed his last and died. And this is a wonderful scene. Jacob and Esau are together one final time, but they're there with their father and their grandfather, both of whom are deceased. And they're going to bury their father with their grandfather and their grandmother. And, of course, we find out later that Leah is buried there there as well. And it is in the cave of Machpelah. So that pretty much wraps up Jacob's story, although he will be a player in the story of Joseph, will he not? I love the scene when he looks at his sons and says, what are you sitting around for, right? We have no food. What are you doing? Why aren't you going to Egypt? We'll get to that later. So what are some important truths from this chapter we can take away with us? We can and must put away all gods, anything that competes with God for our affection and attention. God gives us grace as a community of faith to help one another walk in purity. If you're having trouble putting away one of your idols, one of the things that keeps you from the Lord, get help from a brother or sister in Christ. And, uh, and we'll help one another do that. Secondly, we can and must remember every day that God has given us a new name, a new identity, a new purpose, because we are His sons and daughters. If you are born again, you belong to Jesus, and you know that because the Spirit of God testifies with your spirit that you are a son or daughter of Christ, will God ever change his mind and say, mm, no, nah, thought you were mine, but I just, uh, just don't see it, you know, just not happening. Will God ever go there? Listen, if you're a co-heir with Christ, listen to me, folks. If you're a co-heir with Christ, God would have to disown his son and say, Jesus is no longer my son for you to no longer be his son or daughter. That happening? No. So when the doubts arise, and they will, it's perfectly normal to have doubts. Remind yourself of that. Go back to the passage. Go back to the promise. Go back to the scriptures and say, Lord, Lord, you told me I'm yours. And I know that you haven't changed your mind and never will. We can and must remember that the way of the cross is death and sorrow and suffering. We will lose loved ones. We will die ourselves. But the dead in Christ will be raised to eternal joy and everlasting life. And that, my friends, is good news of great joy. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning for uh, Jacob and for the things we've learned from him and will continue to. But Lord, we look forward to seeing the next chapter of this story and the, the person who most typifies Christ in the Old Testament, a type of Christ. We look forward to studying Joseph. But Lord, until then, we, we pray that you would give us uh, your grace and your uh, comfort and your joy uh, in living day by day, not as perfect people we're not, but as forgiven people whom we are. 
And if there's anyone under the sound of my voice who has not yet come to Christ, may this, this day be the day of salvation. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's greet one another in the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Mark Fox of Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. Antioch meets every Sunday for worship at 10 o'clock a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon. You can download other messages by Pastor Fox at antiochchurch.cc. You can also learn how to order his books or subscribe to his blog at jmarkfox.com.